and welcome to another edition of ATL Prime Sports. I'm JJ Jurjevich. Joining me is the one, the only, Lane Ridenauer, our fabulous producer in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm filling in for Todd Quarter, our host. And of course, this is ATL Prime Sports. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at ATL Prime Sports. You can follow me at JJ Get You One. You can follow Wayne at RWY Junior. And you can follow, again, our host, Quarter Todd, Todd Quarter, at Quarter Todd again. So how's everybody doing, Wayne? How you doing, man? Uh, I, I like the fact that Memphis is winning, but their defense is a little bit questionable to me. Uh, we'll see what happens against Mississippi State this weekend. Big game. Like I've talked about, Memphis has fared well against SEC teams from the state of Mississippi. We'll continue that discussion later. What's on tap? We have Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers, talking Georgia State football with us, our NFL Quick Hits uh, edition. And we'll do our pick six and a little bit more right here on ATL Prime Sports. And without further ado, we'll get to our guest. We welcome back friend of the show and voice of the Georgia State Panthers, Dave Cohen. Dave, good to have you back on ATL Prime Sports again. The Panthers were competitive in the first half, especially the second quarter. What went wrong in that second half, Dave? And it's good to have you on. How you doing? I'm good, and it's great to be back with you guys. And, uh, Wayne, good to see you up in Memphis. Uh, yeah, Memphis Tigers taking on Arkansas State from the Sun Belt Conference. That turned out to be a shootout. Uh, yeah. Memphis ended up uh, winning that football game. As you and I were talking off air, Georgia State will see Arkansas State a little bit later on. Uh, in the uh, college football season when we get to conference play. But, yeah, Georgia State, after a tough loss in the opener at home against Army on the road this past Saturday night to lovely Chapel Hill, North Carolina, to take on the now 24th-ranked Tar Heels of North Carolina. And, look, we all knew that was going to be a a tough road to hoe. Uh, They locked at Virginia Tech in their opener. Their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, Sam Howell, really did not look great in their loss. So, I knew going in there, we all knew going in there, there's no way that he's going to play two bad games in a row. I mean, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at practice at North Carolina last week and in the locker room to know what they were talking about. But, look, they knew they needed to come out and play, uh, you know, a fantastic football game uh, against a non-ACC opponent. Uh, They could not afford to go 0-2. Look, we can't afford to go 0-2 either, uh, but – you know, Army beat Western Kentucky on Saturday. They're a good football team. They're now 2-0, and and we knew we were going to get a pretty good shot from North Carolina uh, going on the road in an ACC environment. They had a pretty good ca- crowd up there. It was a night game. And, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, they, they got off to a quick start. The Tar Heels did. They were up 14 nothing pretty quickly. Um, Georgia State was able to cut it. Uh, I think it was 24-10 at halftime. Again, would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that locker room uh, at halftime to to know what they were talking about. Georgia State was kind of hanging in there. And we said that on the radio broadcast. Uh, They're going to come out and they're going to throw a couple of three, four, or four punches. Number one, can you take the punches? Number two, can you return the punches? And Georgia State was able to do that to some extent in the first half and keep it close, keep the game manageable. Um able to move the ball on the ground in order to control the clock a little bit, which we absolutely did not do in week one against Army. So we were able to do some of those things, not quite to the extent I'm sure that Coach Elliott would have liked to, but enough 
to hang tough and close to North Carolina going into that second half. But look, uh, you know, let me give you the numbers on Sam Howell. He was their leading rusher as well as obviously their leading passer. He was 21 of 29, 352 yards, three touchdowns. We did sack him twice. He carried the ball 11 times, 104 net yards, two rushing touchdowns, including a 62-yard run that never should have happened. Georgia State should have been able to bring him down. But that's why he is a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, and we're trying to make our way into the Sun Belt and trying to take some momentum into the Sun Belt. So that was kind of the story of Saturday night. Uh, We never got into any sort of a rhythm with our passing game. Uh, Cornelius Brown was 12 of 26, only 68 yards. Darren Granger, the transfer from Furman, came in. He was able to move down the field late, but it was against a lot of second and third and 14 guys for Carolina at that point. But he was two for four with uh, 22 yards. But by that point, it was a moot point. And the score made it look maybe a little uglier than it was um, with a final score of 59 to 17. And Georgia State right back at it at home this week against the 2-0 Charlotte 49ers Saturday night at 7 o'clock here in Atlanta. Listen to Dave Cohen right here on ATL Prime Sports. You can follow Dave on Twitter at GA State Voice. It's GA State Voice. And if you like these videos, folks, please give us a like and a subscribe on YouTube. You can search ATL Prime Sports on YouTube for that. Uh, Dave, you mentioned it. There was a couple positive outcomes in that game. Um, there's a fumble recovery in plus territory, deep in UNC territory. You only came away with three points. That's a big T. You got to get those touchdowns you talked about. You got to be able to throw the punches back. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the defense. You, you mentioned it. Sam Howell, preseason Heisman candidate, five touchdowns, three in the air, two in the run. He had a couple big runs. I think over the longest of his career. Don't mean to insult the injury there, but uh, – <laughs> It, 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 it was uh, something, you know, a Heisman candidate looked like, and that's that's what Georgia State's defense made him do. What is Coach Elliott going to concentrate on in uh, practice this week, and uh, how does the D stop to a quarterback like this in the future? Well, let me just say, if Sam Howell plays half as good against Virginia Tech as he did against Georgia State, <laughs> North Carolina is 2-0, and and they're still a top-10 team in the country, right? Right. Correct. So we saw the best of Sam Howell coming off what was a tough game for them in uh, in week one. Uh, you know, a couple of things that Coach Elliott was somewhat pleased with, you know, it's always harder to do these post-game interviews and practice interviews during the week when you're coming off a loss. Because uh, one thing we've talked about in football and really in any sport, football is a little different, though, because there's more time in between games as opposed to basketball and baseball and, and hockey and, and some of your other sports. So if you win, the, the week is great, right? You're building momentum. If you're 0-2, as we are, you got to have a quick memory. you got to have a short memory, and you really got to focus and get your attention on your next opponent and put all of your focus uh, and your energy on who it is – you're going to be playing, and you can't dwell on necessarily what happened last Saturday night. But, you know, he seemed to be pleased with the play along the offensive and the defensive line where Georgia State is very experienced. You know, I would agree, except that I would say I think what happened is they eventually just got worn down. You know, you're playing against, you know, offensive and defensive lines at the ACC level where they're normally bigger, faster, 
in some instances more skilled. And um, when you're spending a good bit of time on the field, not as much as we did against Army, and I'm talking about the defense, um, you know, you end up with results that we have seen so far with regards to the number of points being allowed. But he was happy with our special teams unit. Uh, again, Michael Hayes, our punter, averaging 45 yards a punt. Noel Ruiz has uh, now kicked 10 consecutive field goals going back to last season. Uh, but, you know, the key phrase or the key comment that Coach Elliott made on his, um, his Monday afternoon Zoom press conference was that right now, and again, we're only two weeks into the, uh, two weeks into the season, and this is pretty much a quote, but there will be further evaluation throughout the week at practice. Quote, unquote, further evaluation during the week at practice and making sure they've got the right guys on the field. Now, does that constitute a definite that we'll see some changes as of right now? I don't know. I was at practice on Monday, was not at practice today, Tuesday, when we're taping this uh, podcast. And... Um, I'll be there on Wednesday and Thursday, so we'll see. Um, are there some guys who maybe have been second team, third team, that will get a little bit more of an opportunity? Possibly. One guy that comes to mind is one of our wide receivers, Jamari Thrash, who began to climb the ladder a little bit last year with regards to the number of minutes and playing time. He had the best game of all the receivers in the Army game. He had seven catches. Uh, Troop County High School out there, tour, uh, you know, in the western, you know, West Georgia area. So, you know, does he even see more playing time? Sam Pinckney, who uh, was out because of COVID issues of the Army game, only played, I think, one, one series of downs uh, in Chapel Hill as he still works his way back into uh, what we would call game day shape, even though I think he's in game day shape. But, you know, he, he wasn't on the field that much. So, again, right guys on the field. What does that mean, and who does that mean? And right now, I, I, other than a couple of a couple of three names, I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, one guy that ran the ball really well the other night was um, Tucker Gregg. And while Destin Coates is our starting running back, it's really a running back by committee, uh, depending upon the down and distance situation. But you got Destin Coates, you got Tucker Gregg, you got Jemias Williams, the transfer from South Carolina. Even Marcus Carroll scored a touchdown uh, the other night. I believe that was his first collegiate touchdown. So whether or not they maybe divvy up and change up the number of carries that some of these running backs are getting still remains to be seen. But again, evaluation in week three of practice, getting ready for Charlotte and quote unquote right guys on the field so we'll see you're listening to dave cohen right here on atl prime sports final question i'll make it a two-parter we already mentioned the past game was off quarterbacks missing receivers wide receivers had some drops uh it's going to have to improve to beat the 49ers who did upset duke in week one for their first power five victory in school history so let's talk about uh preview the upcoming game against uh charlotte and how the fans of our show can catch the call this weekend, follow you and Georgia State Athletics. Well, first of all, our radio flagship, the 50,000-watt FM in Atlanta, 88.5 FM, WRAS. And then, of course, we have one affiliate up in uh, Gainesville, Hall County area, WGTJ, 97.5 and uh, 1330 AM. So 
Um, there's, there's opportunities on uh, what we call terrestrial radio to tune in Georgia State. Uh, and then, of course, if you uh, have a, a mobile phone, which just about everybody does, I don't know that anybody who doesn't, um, they have the world at their fingertips. Uh, you can uh, download the Georgia State Athletics mobile app and uh, listen to the broadcast uh, on your iPhone or your iPad uh, or your tablet, whatever. And you can also, uh, if you have the TuneIn radio app, which actually carries just about every game broadcast of every college and professional team that's out there, both domestically and internationally, depending on what sport you tend to follow. Uh, they're all available on TuneIn Radio. Uh, but if you go via TuneIn tune Radio, you can go on and just search WRAS, and, and we will be there. It's, uh, I think it's an ESPN Plus game this week for Georgia State and Charlotte. Uh, we'll kick it off at 7 o'clock Saturday night. Airtime on the radio network with our pregame will be 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. Awesome. Dave, we always appreciate you coming on. We'll chat at you next week. Uh, Wayne, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just, you know, I, I hope you all guys do well against Charlotte. Uh, I, I know that they've, like uh, J.J. said, they've caused some two uh, pretty good wins. Um, and we'll see what this uh, new people on the field thing looks like. Well, it is a big game. You know, they, they, the proverbial truth is, you know, your, your biggest game is your next game. Uh, coaches and players, even though they say they don't, maybe they do, but they don't look past the next game. That's for guys like you and I to do, the broadcasters, the radio guys, the TV guys, the print guys, um, because everybody knows, JJ, yeah, JJ, exactly, uh, but everybody knows that after Charlotte, we're back to the Power Five, and we're heading down to the Plains to take on the Auburn Tigers in Game 4, and Game 5, after an off week, we open up Sunbelt Conference play with Appalachian State. Enough said? Yeah. It's a gauntlet of a schedule, Dave. It's a gauntlet of a schedule. We always appreciate you coming on, Dave, and uh, we'll talk at you next week. All right, you guys, take it easy. Have a good weekend watching football, and hopefully when I talk to you next week, we're one and two on the season getting ready to head to Auburn. I think they will be. Go Panthers. All right, guys, take it easy. Take care. Dave Cohen, voice of the Georgia State Panthers. You can follow him on Twitter at GA State Voice. Let's move on in the show. And again, folks, if you like these videos, please give us a like and a subscribe. And uh, we can continue doing this. We love doing it. Wayne, it's, uh, it's good to be just you and I tonight, man. Let's continue this thing on uh, with our NFL quick hits <laughs> segment. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened to the Falcons. They got punched in the mouth. Blown out at home 32-6. to six. Let's talk dirty birds. Wayne, Man, I, I would, I would, hurts. I would rather not because uh, for a home opener, first game of the season, to have that poor of a performance, um, will make you switch over to watch golf instead. Ooh, that's a big statement for Wayne. That's a big statement for Wayne. Anyway, God, you got to shake your head as a Falcons fan. It's the worst season opening loss since 1987, folks. It's the year I was born, where the birds got beat 48-10 to 10 by Tampa Bay. Guess what, folks? They play Tampa Bay this weekend. <laughs> Welcome to reality, right? Here right. we are, worst home season loss. Jalen Hurts, former Alabama quarterback, former Oklahoma quarterback, makes himself look like a legitimate NFL quarterback, has himself three touchdowns 
heck of a game. Falcons did get to him a couple times. But, look, the game opened up very well. 144 yards, 12 first downs on their first two possessions. They go down. They kick a couple field goals. You're like, heck, whoo, all right, we're looking good. 116 yards the rest of the game. That's six first downs the rest of the game. They didn't even really cross midfield. They got to the Philadelphia 49. This is crazy stuff. The Falcons didn't turn the ball over, Wayne, and they lost by 26 points. That's that just tells you that their uh, their offense was lacking and their defense was lacking. Um, however, if you're from Memphis like I am, and you're a Memphis fan, you did take note of uh, Philadelphia Eagles uh, running back uh, Kenneth Gainwell, former uh, University of Memphis running back. Now he didn't play last year because he opted out, but uh, his 2019 season here at Memphis was absolutely stunning. And he's proven to be a, a nice NFL commodity up there in Philly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of Memphis's all-time great players, and he did make an impact. Um, you know, let's let's uh, let's take a look on down the rest of this as I uh, just analyze this complete blowout. Look, the Falcons' offense right now is a punt, pass, and kick competition. I, the last six or seven possessions were all punt, and then the end of a half was in there. <laughs> That's awful. Um, the Falcons' O-line looked awful, to say the least. Rookie left guard Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan had a grade of 1.4 out of 100 from pro football focus. Those guys are pretty smart. There was 12 penalties for 99 yards. All right, bunch of negatives. Let's get to some positives and end it, Wayne, right here with this. Some positives and my final thoughts on this Atlanta Falcons debacle of an opener. Rushing attack showed some promise. Cordell Patterson, Mike Davis, after the first quarter, uh, the Falcons offense rushed for 86 yards. Positive note, 86 yards right off the bat. Boom! Guess what, Wayne? At 86 yards was more... Then uh, I was more rushing yards than they had in seven games last year. Okay, positive note, right? The defense was able to get some pressure on Hurts, sacking him once. That's how I'm going to end it. Positive notes, trying to go forward here. Uh, we are playing the world champions. We're 13-point underdogs going in on Sunday at 4.05 prime time matchup. We're the game of the week somehow. Wayne, I'll let you get your final thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons opening, se opening season loss, 32-6, to six, to the dirtiest birds, the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Final thoughts? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of speechless at that, that game, and I almost want to call it a stupid game because it, it just I feel like I didn't enjoy it. Uh, here's some things that I'll expect to see in this upcoming game. Um, I expect, you know, having watched the Cowboys – uh, play uh, the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers are beatable. And so that gives me hope that Atlanta will find out a way to uh, beat the Buccaneers. Um, and I would really like to see Arthur Smith uh, dress like a coach uh, in this upcoming game. And I know that's kind of a personal thing, and, uh, but he just, he really didn't look very head coachish on the sidelines. 
Well, he got beat by a first-time head coach in his debut. So we'll see how Sunday chugs along. Uh, let's go to the other part of our NFL Quick Hit segment. One pleasant surprise from NFL opening weekend. I'll go first, Wayne. I'm going to see Jameis Winston and the Hurricane Displaced Saints beating the Packers 38-3. I know that's not good for us Falcon fans here in Atlanta, but it's a positive note. Jameis Winston looked good, 14-20, 148 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks. Looking like the offseason uh, LASIK surgery is doing him well. Game was played in Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida, and it didn't matter. That's a one pleasant thought from the NFL opening weekend. Wayne, what's yours? Well, uh, pleasant thought uh, seeing a, a lot of people in the stands. Uh, I appreciated seeing that. Uh, and, you know, you took the other one right from me. I was glad to see uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers really get put in his place because he, if there's anybody that could have matched the uh, – terrible play of Matt Ryan, um, it was Aaron Rodgers because he just did not look good. He looked flat. And uh, Jameis Winston came right out and played like an NFL quarterback. He did. He did. That wraps up our NFL quick hit segment. Moving to our third topic of the night. The Atlanta Braves are closing in on a fourth straight NL East title. Can they do it? Let's talk Bravos. I'll shoot it off, man. Yes, they can. 18-plus games to go. I say plus because there's a suspended game that they have to finish versus San Diego, in which the Braves are still trailing in the fifth inning. Um, the Braves will end the season with three games versus the Phillies and the Mets at home. So NLE's title is very much within reach. you got the two closest competitors. As you go into this week, you're four and a half games ahead of the Phillies. And uh, I believe five and a half ahead of the Mets. So having those three games at home at the tail end of the season is huge. And uh, Wayne, your thoughts on the Atlanta Braves and uh, can they do it in the NL East? Well, you know, playing Philadelphia and uh, New York at home those last couple of games, I think it's a good thing and should keep them in the league of the East. Uh, the only thing, though, uh, San Francisco has already clinched playoff berth and so they can kind of pull back a little bit and prepare for the postseason. I'm not too sure about Milwaukee. Um, you know, I know they're riding a pretty big gap in second place there, but we'll see what happens once postseason arrives. And you mentioned that brings it right into my next topic. Let's do talk about that postseason. We both assume they'll make it at this point. Uh, my Mets pick did not look good. It looked promising for about half the season, but hey, I was sticking with my pick, and it does not look good. Looks like the Braves are going to pull it out. Do they have enough pitching to make a deep run in the postseason? Yes, they do. Morton, Freed, Anderson, Enoa, bullpen has come around. Tuki Toussaint can be your long-inning reliever guy. Rodriguez, Jackson, Minter can interchange. Throw Matzik in there as well. Uh, Will Smith is the lone question mark. Look, he's, he's done a lot better. He's got a 366 ERA, 3.66 ERA, I should say. But at Truist Park's the real issue, a 4.60 ERA, 16 earned runs in those home appearances. I think it's like 31.2 innings pitched. So at, at home, at Truist Park, where you expect to close down the game at the end of the year, it's where he's really struggling. That's your one question mark. But they do have the ability to push this team deep. 
here's why the offense can produce with the home run, but they will need more men on base when those home runs leave the park. Uh, they're going to have to have timely hitting, get those guys on base, move runners over. So when those home runs do go over, there are a couple more people on base. Um, look, this team could be the first team in baseball history where the whole entire infield hits home runs. Freddie Freeman hit his 30th the other day on his 32nd birthday. Riley is stuck at 29 as of Tuesday. Albies at 28. Swanson at 26. Like I said, they got 18-plus games to do it. And it's uh, pretty much all I got on the Braves and their postseason runs. They, I think they can do it. And, again, I think the home run is going to be a key, as well as those front four guys. Wayne, your final thoughts on the Braves' postseason run? Well, I, I, I'm pretty, I feel pretty confident that they'll make the postseason uh, without any problems, just based on their, their final part of their schedule. Um, and the only thing I would mention in National League was, is, um, didn't San Francisco uh, have a new uh, captain? You know, I, I am not sure about that. I know Buster Posey's been a captain for a long time out there, um, and Brandon Crawford as well. They've been part of that team for, for a long time, and uh, they're, they're pushing them in the right direction. They're playing good ball. Um, well, I can't, I can't remember exactly who it was, but one of their players went on the field and had taken some electrical tape and put a little C on his uniform as he was coming out as if to say, I'm the captain now. I'll have to check it out on social media. Um, it's funny. Right, let's go into uh, our final Braves discussion. Uh, it is a Marcel Ozuna update flash the latest um, it's a couple days old, but look, let's talk about it. Marcelo Azuna is a part of this Braves' future franchise. Major League Baseball did place Azuna on administrative leave for the domestic violence policy, or I should say per the domestic violence policy. But his charges uh, should be dropped as long as, he, uh, as long as he completes a domestic violence intervention program. He will be under six months of supervision. Uh, there's several other stipulations that will apply. All this uh, will come to a head January 13th of next year is his next court date. So right now it looks like it's going to be in limbo. I would say this season, I would guess that you won't see Ozuna unless things uh, escalate quickly. Um, but that's the latest on Marcelo Ozuna. Any thoughts on Marcelo Ozuna, Wayne? Uh, you know, uh, any time there's a legal issue like this and it involves or it cross-sections with a sporting event or a team, I'm always uh, of the mind that that's something that uh, should be figured out off the field and that the players who are still on the field should continue on and try not to get involved in it because there's too many things outside of the sport like that that get pulled into the sport and I think it kind of, I don't know, it just muddies the water a little bit. No, I hear you. Everybody's got their own opinion on it. Um, I, I feel like if it goes through the justice system and all the charges are dropped and he does complete the anger management program was one of the stipulations. Of course, the domestic violence intervention program. Um, if he completes all that and the body cam and the police and the justice system work it out and say the charges should be dropped, and I'm all for a player uh, working with the justice system, as long as it is correct, it is the right thing to do. So we'll see. 
Uh, Marcelo Zuna, that is the latest. Um, my final thoughts on the Braves before we move on. Look, the San Diego series will be key to the Braves locking up this division. They need to find a way to come back and win that suspended game. Um, any final thoughts on the Braves in general, Wayne? Uh, not really on the Braves, but I did look up and find out who that uh, San Francisco captain was. This guy named Brandon Belt, uh, one of their guys out of the bullpen. Brandon Belt. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's go to the infamous pick six segment. I'm going to read all the games first, Wayne, and then we'll pick them. I have TC's picks. Of course, I'll get yours off air if need be. South Carolina, 2-0 at number two, Georgia, 2-0. UGA is a 31-point favorite. The over-under, for anyone that is interested, we're not doing that. But just for fun of it, it's 48-and-a-half. Alabama, number one in the country, travels to number 11. Florida playing in the swamp. Both teams come in unbeaten at 2-0. Alabama's a 15-and-a-half point favorite, 58 0.5 on the over-under. And, folks, we do do Monday spreads here, so be aware of that. This is Monday spreads. 22, number 22, Auburn travels to number 10, Penn State. Happy Valley, 2-0 versus 2-0 there as well. Penn State, six-point favorites. 53.0 is the over and under. NFL games for the weekend. Saints at Panthers. Both teams come in at 1-0. New Orleans is three-point favorites. 44 and a hook on the over-under there. Raiders, Steelers, again, two undefeateds, 1-0. Pittsburgh, six-point favorites. 47 and a hook on the over-under. And the final game of the pick six, Falcons, Bucks, 4.05 p.m. Fox, NFL Sunday, the Bucks are 13-point favorites, 52.0 on the over-under. Uh, the right. South Carolina-Georgia game, go. Uh, I'm taking South Carolina and the points because uh, 31 points is way too much. Georgia, Georgia may win, but uh, not by that much. Hey, we're all three doing the same thing. That's down the line, South Carolina and the points. Look, JT Daniels might miss his second straight week. Carolina covers. But UGA looks impressive. Alabama, Florida. Uh, I'm taking Florida on this one, uh, you know, with, with the points. And they're at home. Dan Mullins is nobody to really trifle with, especially at home. Wow. I'm shocked. Florida <laughs> on the points. Yeah, I'm not taking Alabama. You know, they, they of course, they blew out their opponents last time. But Florida's a whole different thing. And like I said, Dan Mullen. Uh, in the swamp, uh, chance of rain maybe, and if that happens, then that's a whole new ball game down there. Wow. Well, TC and I are both going Bama to cover. We'll go with the third college and final college game of the evening. On uh, the pick six is 22, Auburn, Penn State. Uh, I got Auburn in the points, um, but I think Auburn might go out and upset upset the uh, the Nittany Lions in Happy Valley. So I'm taking Auburn in the points, Wayne. I'm taking Auburn as well, uh, not just to cover, but to win outright. Uh, they they don't really need the points, I don't think. Uh, we'll see how Penn State does. I know that's a a really uh, big place to come into as a visiting team, uh, especially with the traditions and everything they do at Penn State. Absolutely, uh, TC's got Auburn in the points as well. Saints 
Panthers, I got the Panthers in the points. I think the Panthers impressed me week one. They held off uh, the Jets. I think Darnold is a good quarterback, and I think Jameis and the Saints will play a little hungover from a big win. Carolina and the points in this one is the safe bet because uh, the Saints may win by one point, but I like Carolina in those points. What say you, Wayne? Uh, I think it's going to be a big Saints win. Uh, I do not think that Winston is going to come in uh, hungover from the previous win. I think he's going to be riding some momentum and excited about the season as well as the rest of the Saints, and they're going to come in there and probably win by 10 points maybe. And the Raiders and the Steelers – uh, TC is actually taking the Saints to cover there. Um, Raiders Steelers, I am going with the Steelers to cover. Um, I think Raiders traveling east, Steelers wide receivers get going. I like the Steelers by a touchdown. Wayne? Uh, I'm taking the Steelers as well. I learned my lesson last week. You know, Buffalo looked <laughs> good in the first half, but the Steelers were uh, pretty unstoppable. TC's going against the Steelers. He's taking the Raiders and the points. He's doing the safe bet. He says the Steelers will win, but by a field goal. Last game of the day of the pick six. Minus 13. The Bucks are favorite. Give me the Bucks. They'll win by two touchdowns. We don't look too good. The line started out at 10 and a half. It's gone way up. The betters like the Bucks. I like the Bucks. TC likes the Bucks and the points. Wayne, you're going with the Falcons, aren't you? Yep, I have to. There's nothing I, – I can't do anything else. I have to go with the Falcons. Uh, I've been riding with that team since 1980 in the days of White Shoe Johnson and uh, Barkowski, so I've ridden through a lot of bad times. I'm going to keep on. All right, so, uh, folks, we all stuck it up last week. The current record sits at 5-7 and seven for Wayne and myself. TC's at 4-8. and eight. Uh, That's pretty much the show, ladies and gentlemen. That wraps it up. Uh, any closing thought? Uh, my closing thought is, hey, 40 days till Trey Young and the Hawks tip off. Listen to us on Friday at blogtalkradio.com, excuse me, forward slash Mancini Sports. Dial in at 347-205-9631. That's Friday from 1 to 1.30. Wayne, any closing thoughts? Uh, and Memphis hosts uh, Mississippi State. Um, I've got a feeling it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Memphis uh, needs better defense uh, than they displayed up in Arkansas State. And Mississippi State, just like Arkansas, is one of those SE teams with a chip on their shoulder. And uh, I don't want them to prove themselves in Memphis. I want Memphis to win that game. Folks, we'll see you Friday for Wayne and Memphis. For Todd Quarter, who I'm filling in for, I'm J.J. Jurchevich. This is ATL Prime Sports. Like us on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Friday. Get you one.